The press release that comes with your survey it throws around words like warranted concern and uh, that the progress to reduce drinking and driving in Canada may have stalled. Um, kind of scary words, scary phrasing. Can you elaborate on why you're feeling that way, you guys? Okay, well, first of all, uh, you know, we, we have seen that progress has stalled. I would say, I would say it's reason, reason for concern, not necessarily alarm. But um, it, it may mean that we uh, have to revisit uh, how we uh, deal with the uh, impaired driving problem in terms of messaging and um, the, uh, the target audience, for example. Okay, because I was, I mean, it's been a major success. I mean, one death is obviously too many, but I mean, you guys point out, I mean, in 2016, 480 Canadians died. Now, I'm not being flip here or anything. I'm just saying it. That's a 55% decrease from over 1,000 in 1995. So something's working uh, to wise people up, right? Yes, that is correct. Um, we have seen we have seen decreases in alcohol-related fatalities, um, but you know that that's to be expected. We've also seen decreases in all fatalities, whether whether okay. alcohol was in, uh, in, involved or not. But uh, you know, it's like it's like you said before. Like uh, you know, one is too many. So although there have there have been decreases, uh, you know, we can we can never be you know, satisfied and rest on our laurels. I mean, we have to keep trying to reduce the uh, number of uh, fatalities. What fascinate, one of the things that fascinated me is going in, in reading your research is that this doesn't surprise me that men are, much, are more prone to drive uh, drunk, and dr- drunk than women. That doesn't surprise me. What really surprised me was there was no distinction between the various groups from young to old, various age groups, which is kind of creepy and spooky that adults wouldn't know better by the time they're adults. Yes. Um, well, we do have uh, we do have programs in place uh, and, and provisions in place in graduate licensing, for example, where there is a uh, a, a zero uh, BAC for the uh, learner drivers. And much of the messaging that uh, is out there, the public service messages, and that are are geared more towards the younger drivers, trying to. Uh, you know, get them to learn a certain behavior. But uh, after a while, maybe there's a certain complacency that sets in among uh, those that are older. Now, I, I do know that looking at the fatality data, that, uh, you know, once we deal with people in their, in their 60s and 70s, that uh, very, few of them, very few of them drink and drive. But there again, very few of them uh, are, are driving as much and um, being exposed to, uh, you know, all, all the different uh, dangers out on the road that, uh, you know, the younger drivers are. And it's not, it's, it's, people tend to think that it's, it's from bars and restaurants that people leave drunk and drive drunk. But in fact, it's from family and way more family and friends, right? And, 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 and people drinking alone. So what's the message? What kind of message can you get there? Okay. Um, yeah, just to elaborate on that, uh, we, we were asking our road safety monitor, um, this is the uh, self-reported uh, behavior survey that we do each year, we were asking um, among those Canadians that, who admitted to uh, driving after they thought they were over the legal uh, limit where they did most of their uh, drinking. And um, more of them were saying that uh, you know they were doing their drinking at a friend's or relative's place or even at their own home than at a bar or restaurant or, or at a party. So, um, you know, that suggests that, uh, you know, 
there's an obligation, I think, of uh, friends and family to uh, make sure that, uh, you know, the uh, the person that's at their place or, or the loved one does not uh, go out and drink and drive. But how do we, okay, so how does, who, where does this go from here then? How do you get that message across? Because 480 people is still a lot of people, boy, in Canada, you know. Uh, it's yeah. a lot of people dying for stupid reasons. Yeah, um, yeah. There's there's a lot of a lot of people dying in uh, you know what could uh, you know what could be a preventable situation, and um, we had also asked the you know uh, with whom the uh, drivers are doing most of their drinking, and it is um, it is mostly close friends and a partner or family, and um, I I look at our uh, fatality data as well, and if we look at these uh, fatalities, two thirds of those people that are dying in alcohol related crashes are the drinking drivers themselves. So it's uh, more often than not, it's 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 the uh, it, it is it is the drinking driver dying, and it's not it's it's not some random stranger. So oh, I, okay. I think there really is there really is a vested interest. Um, you know, whether um, you're hosting a party or you, you know you have you, you have a few friends over, that uh, you make sure that uh, people have a, a a safe means of getting home, or perhaps uh, you know there's alternatives offered, like uh, you know that they can they can stay over until they've uh, until they're no longer uh, under the influence. People have to get the idea straight in their heads before they're drunk, right? I mean, it, it, once you're drunk, there's this thing that kicks in uh, individually that's like this macho, horrid uh, persistence that I can do anything. Um, it's really up to friends more than the person himself almost, Right. Well, I wouldn't. I wouldn't totally absolve the, uh, you know, the person doing the the uh, drinking and potential driving there. I I'm mean, not every, absolving him. I'm saying he's being really dumb. No, everybody. You know, every everybody. Everybody has a responsibility there. I mean, it's 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 not it's not totally on the person that's uh, that's hosting in that. But it, like you did mention earlier, yes, uh, before you even start before you even start drinking, you have to uh, you have to have a plan in place. Mm-hmm. Can we continue this trend that began in 1995? And I mean, it's dropped by fifty-five percent over what's that? Twenty-five years now, or is that yeah, twenty-five years? It's dropped. Fatalities have dropped by fifty-five percent. Are you optimistic that we can continue on that rate, or or not? Well, if you um, if you look at the trend data, whether it's for self-reported use or for uh, alcohol-related fatalities, I mean. Generally speaking, we we do we do see improvements, but every so often you are going to see like maybe one or two years where there appears to be a lack of progress or that uh, the situation is regressing, and you have to be careful that you don't look at uh, one single data point and, and jump okay. to too many conclusions. And that's why we always say that uh, you know we need we need we need to do more monitoring and uh, not to overreact, not to get too uh, complacent or not to get too fearful based on one year's data. Do tougher sentences make a difference? Uh, well, I mean, they they do help, but t- um, tougher sentences in and of themselves, um, you know, are are not enough because, uh, you know, if if there is a tough sentence and the person serves their sentence and they go out and continue, um, yeah. you know, the behavior that got them in trouble in the first place, then uh, you know that that in itself is is not uh, is not going to be the only the only solution. I've heard people tell me that texting is more dangerous than drinking and driving. Do you guys have any data on that? Is that true or is that just bogus? Texting is more dangerous than drinking and driving? Yeah. Yeah, um I mean we we've we've heard that. Um 
Now, uh, with with the Traffic Injury Research Foundation, I mean, we've done research on, uh, I guess, what we call the big three, drinking and driving, drugs and driving, and distracted driving. And, uh, I mean, it's uh, texting certainly is certainly is problematic. Um, part, part of the problem is that... Uh, you know, in, in terms of the fatality data, I mean, we can we can do it. We can do a blood test, and we can find out, you know, how mm-hmm. much alcohol or drugs are okay. in a person's system. We can't take a blood sample and say, well, this person had, uh, you know, fifteen percent distraction. And, um, you know, it could be that, uh, you know, in in terms of in terms of texting, um, you know, it, it could be that they were texting just prior to the crash or at the time of the crash. Um, it's it's not as uh, the data the data for texting are, are are not as robust as the data that we have for uh, alcohol and drugs at least among those people that are killed. But um, I think one of the dangers, Terry, is uh, people might get the impression that the problem of uh, alcohol impaired driving is solved, seeing that so much messaging out there is dealing with distracted driving and and drugs and driving such as cannabis impaired driving. Boy, I love smart people. Thanks. Thank you so much. Thank you and, so and much. And thanks for, for talking to me as well. Thanks, Steve. Okay, have a good one. Okay, thank you, Terry.